Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. This is episode 354. I cannot believe it myself. It's going to be our last roundtable show of 2018. Where has the year gone? I have no idea. We've got a great panel. I'm going to let Matt introduce himself first, our guest. Well, he comes on semi-regularly. Matt, would you like to uh, introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Do you always say it's a great panel? Well, nobody is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? Uh, Matt Madaris, you can find me at Matt Report. Well, you're and- great. I'm not sure. I know I'm not great, but oh. I know you're great. <laughs> you can find me at Matt Report and Pagely if you're looking for me. I know my position in the WordPress community, Matt. I have no delusions. Uh, um, all right, Chris, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? I'm Chris from Lifter LMS, which is a WordPress uh, platform for building training programs on your website. I also have a podcast for course creators called LMS Cast. It's a great podcast, like Matt. And Spencer, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Sure. Hi, I'm Spencer Foreman from WP Launchify. We help people who are trying to build profitable membership sites with WordPress and marketing automation. Right. And before we go into the main stories, I like to talk about one of my great sponsors, and that's Kinsta Hosting. And what is Kinsta Hosting? Well, it's well, it's just great, basically. Uh, if you're looking for specialized WordPress hosting, um, I suggest that you go to Kinsta. Um, they offer all the bells and whistles, um, the latest version of Word, um, PHP, Staging Site, you name it. I host the WP Tonic website on Kinsta, and I've been totally blown away by the hosting. So if that sounds interesting, go to kinsta.com, look at some of their plans, and sign up for either your clients, yourself. I suggest they're a great solution. So, on to the first story, and that must be State of the Word 2018, WordPress embraces the block editor. Is it we or I? This is what I want to know. Uh, Rob um, Spencer, what did you think of um, the word, State of the Word, and what Max had to say in it? And they had this Norwegian guy that was going on about we and I as well, didn't we? Uh, I'm not going to change any of my prediction things that I said about 2019, where I think the whole business is going to go, but I will say I'm going to have a little mea culpa. That's my fancy lawyer term for little apology for now that the drama is finally here and over. I don't know why we needed all this drama anyway. So I personally reach out. and, And I just want to say, this is like a lot of things in life. All the blah, 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 blah. Like, what is it going to be? What's gonna... As long as they stay the course and as long as it doesn't become uninclusive or there's no shenanigans that we talked about in the last show about suddenly flipping a switch and shutting off the highway, I'm impressed by two things. Number one is that the Gutenberg block editor, while it is certainly not a replacement for the other page builders and so forth, 
I'm thoroughly impressed with how quickly things have gone from what the heck is it going to be to everybody jumping in. So much so that I personally went off and made a few videos to demonstrate how useful the Gutenberg editor can be for people building membership sites and so forth. And I feel like it's going to scoot right up there really quickly alongside the page builders. Second thing is that the drama of all the politics seems to have been nicely put to bed with the calm, cool demeanor of all the participants involved. So my apologies for raising any red alerts in previous shows, but I am confident that this is a good sign for 2019. There we go. What did you think, Max? Uh, I will not apologize for the things that I said um, moving forward. The, uh, I, I thought it was quite underwhelming, to be honest with you. Um, I was actually looking for something a little bit greater, again, in terms of direction uh, of, the, of, of Gutenberg and, and WordPress 5.0. And, and maybe a lot of people are seeing it, and maybe I'm just not smart enough to recognize what the, uh, the whole vision is. Um, even the other presentation that I watched with, uh, of course, I'm going to forget his name. It, it was about the future of Gutenberg. I believe that was the actual title, or maybe that was the future of WordPress. Uh, even that to me was like underwhelming. It was a lot of high level theoretical stuff and, you know, very artistic. And for a meat and potatoes guy, I just want to know like real hyper clarity uh, of like, give me some real examples of what this is really going to do for us. Um, you know, I had made some predictions that there, you know, there might be a boo or two in the audience, which didn't happen, but <laughs> it's, I, I don't feel like that's a far fetched theory because look at what, Look at the uh, the Twitter sphere leading up to this. Look at the posts. Look at the passion. And I don't mean it in a demeaning in in a bad way of, of something like that. I just generally thought that we're going to see something slightly different than we've seen in the past. Um, I think that the I was sort of hypothesizing that there would be a a little bit of that. Um, a little bit of outcry, if you will, whether it was a boo or just something um, that somebody would just say, hey, you know what, things are, aren't the way it should be. Let me move real quickly to, you know, the Mullenweg thing. I don't, um, I feel like we still didn't get a, maybe not an apology is the right word, but it still is we as I <laughs> and I is we. And I just want a line in the sand that says we're like I am going to be the one who's making the decisions moving forward. So let's just say it, please. Let's just say it. My next prediction is I think that there should be like a product manager or somebody who is really much more exciting and theatrical on stage talking about this stuff because it's all still developer speak to me. Again, maybe that's what everybody wants. For me, I need a little bit more passion of where this WordPress thing is going. Uh, and I feel like that was a little, a little bit lacking in this case. And it's not over. Uh, I think I saw today an article uh, of somebody who's stepping down from the privacy, um, uh, either lead role or co-lead role. I only saw it minutes ago before getting on the show. It's not over. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a sad state. Uh, and that's why I think that more passionate people will come out and change uh, the course of these conferences. Um, I don't think that the political drama has been put to rest, nor should it, because I feel like there, if you have an opinion, an, an insane opinion, not a crazy one, uh, you could have a crazy one, I guess, but I don't think we should just stay calm because that's what 
that's what keeps us okay. We just we just accept what we accept and we and we move on. I think if people are not no longer are passionate or no longer voicing their opinions, then we have no control over the direction. I, I want to jump on what Matt's saying because I actually think he brought up a point that I didn't elaborate on. I was referring to the actual release date and the event itself. Ah, got it. As, as you can see, I always say, especially when it comes to WB Tavern and especially Sarah's articles, I always say, read the comments first, right? Right. There is still fomenting under the surface this, yeah. what the hell is going to happen next when it comes to contributors and who's the voice and who makes decisions and which way it go. That's what I was alluding to when I'm like, which way is this road going to go? Are we going together? And will there be a fork? The fork can still happen at any time. But as far as this November 27th release date and what's it going to be and blah, 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 and this thing's a piece of shit, I'm simply suggesting it's less of a piece of shit than I thought from the standpoint of a first release. But the other part of it was, at least for now, the king has pacified the peasants and what's mm-hmm. going on with his court in the background is yet to be seen. Mm-hmm. And that's where my prediction for 2019 still remains in effect. And Matt, you weren't here last week, but I predicted there will be a dramatic event where yeah, Jetpack becomes the Trojan horse and they're going to yeah. tweak, tweak somebody's uh, hiney yeah. with that. Right. And, and I, I, I've called that, uh, and I said this to Matt when I had it in my office hours with him, it's the sassification uh, of self-hosted WordPress. Now that everything is living in this JavaScript world and Gutenberg, and, and, and uh, you know, you can relate to, if you have your typical SaaS app, you can measure everything that's happening with a the user. They're logged in. You can measure uh, interactions and, um, and, and what people are using. You can measure which features you want. I think that Gutenberg and Jetpack unlock this kind of sassification for self-hosted WordPress to feed in uh, uh, premium features and things like that for for Jetpack. Um, and it might not be a world-ending number. Like, I don't think it'll blow away all of us third-party developers out there, plug-in developers, but it's a sizable difference, uh, and we don't really have a, a say in any of that. And Maybe we don't need one, and, and I'm not saying that we should. <laughs> Maybe we all just have to recognize what the sandbox is, that whose sandbox is we're playing in, and then that's, it is what it is. Right. What did you think, Chris? So I was there. I was in the audience. I was glad that um, there weren't any boosts, you know, just as a community coming together. You know, I was curious if that might happen, but I'm glad there wasn't. Um, WordPress is not a flat organization. I mean, it's, it's much more flat than most, but it does have, you know, leadership areas happening. So you, and, you, you're clear about the eye of the way then? Yes. And also, um, I have worked in a, like, for example, in the offline world in a three-person management team. I did that for a long time. And there's a, it's important to expose the process around how we three make decisions, which I believe um, the the WordPress release leads, there are three of them. So I think just exposing the process of how they make decisions is important and also how they accept input from the community. Um, I also went to an office hours uh, listening session like, like Matt did. There was one person there, not three. And to me, if you're a management team, you should all three should be there or they should rotate or something like that. Um, but that being said, going back to the actual content of the talk, I thought it was really good. Everybody's a marketer. Um, you could, so you, 
<clears throat> as a Matt's a visionary leader, he's also highly technical, which is a, a rare combination of skills. So his presentation is essentially talking about where we were, where we are, and where we're going. That's what leaders do. They navigate. They help people get oriented. And you could call it like, like there's some uh, complaint that some of the user testing showed people like trying to build a, uh, their blog in the old classic editor and move things around. It wasn't working well. But then the Gutenberg stuff was all super polished, high fidelity. It wasn't user testing stuff. But that's just a marketer making a case for the future, the, like trying to put the vision out there so that the community can kind of come into it. And I thought that was, I thought that was pretty good. And uh, the different phases, like uh, bringing the whole website in, not just the content area, bringing in collaboration, and then bringing in internationalization. These are all things I selfishly care about in the learning space. So that's in alignment with a lot of my goals, and I am excited about that. But uh, overall, it, there, I, you know, we went, we went uh, Thomas and I from Lifter LMS, uh, we were a little concerned about the support load, but I thought that the hosting companies actually did a really good job of holding back and kind of putting some slack in the system. So we do have people updating. We were Gutenberg compatible. We're already like in it building blocks and we're already forging into the future at Lifter LMS. So we were ready, but most of the support questions we get are just people who are surprised. Like, what is this? This looks different. Not this is broken or whatever. So, uh, but I'm really glad that the hosting companies kind of pulled back so that we can have about four to six weeks for people to gradually upgrade slowly. So I, in, in hindsight, looking backwards, even though the communication was not good around when are we going to release next, I'm glad they did when they did. Yeah, I, I, I think there's kind of um, like two to three levels of this. There's the level of the poor management of the project and the communication um, during the project at different stages um, that peeved off quite a few people, rightly or wrongly. Uh, um, I can see it both sides. You got that. And then you got the commercial need of automatic to... So I understand from certain sources that they were being crushed um, by Squarespace and Wix. They were bleeding users left, right, and centre. Um, and then you you've got um, then you've got who's running this ship? You know, is it we or I or whatever it is? And I understand why uh, it's a shame that Morton couldn't join us, but um, he tries his best. But um, I always thought Matt was a, um, I'm looking for the right word, it's lost me now, uh, a, a kindly dictator. Benevolent, <laughs> uh, benevolent dictator, benevolent, which is, benevolent. Which is he, he is actually listed in the Wikipedia entry for that. Yeah, <laughs> I said it about two and a half years ago. I, um, obviously, you, you've disappointed me now. It's obviously, I wasn't very original there. Uh, Rob, uh, Rob, I always saw him like that. Um, and then, um, and then you got then you got the other question: Is going to screw all the consultants and other, a lot of the other people that have helped build the platform up? Um, you know, um, which you know, a lot of people that have started open source projects, you know, when it's come to the end, they've done that. So, I, I think you got all those four 
four areas, haven't you? That kind of all merged into one, you know, a lot of people being a bit naffed off, really, by the whole thing. What do you think, Matt? Well, I, you know, I think that, number one, it, I, it's not that I disagree with... Uh, it's not like I disagree with everything, and I certainly don't envy to be in Matt's position. And I also agree with what Chris said, what a leader does, this is what a leader does. And picking that date, that, that release date, I actually didn't, I didn't care. Like it, you, at some point, somebody has to call the play. He called the play and that's what a leader does. I get it. But it's just like, it's, it's sort of, he feels like he's standoffish from, doesn't want to just claim that role. And that's, is the difficult thing. Plus I've had years of, transparency issues like the growth councils, uh, both enterprise and I think consumer or customer, I forget what the the titles are. Uh, And I I believe it came up in the state of the word and he sort of just, you know, danced around it a little bit. He talked about the enterprise that there were some, actually no, it was on Brian Krogsgaard's interview with him. There There were some, there were a couple of meetings, but it sort of just fizzled out and we never really heard from it again. And, but nothing really about the consumer growth council. Uh, what happened to those? Like, you know, it, it, I'm not trying to be the person who is, you know, don't mess with our money and our market. I know it's going to change. I know we have to move forward. But when you launch something like the growth councils, that's a great way for, you know, the blue collar digital worker to get out there and have a, uh, have her voice heard in this, in this community. And it just fizzles out. And it's, I guess it's more disappointing than anything. It's not, like it's, I'm angry, but I'm just passionate about about how we can connect more people to this project. But but if you don't want that, then just come out and say it. <laughs> uh, that's the thing that drives me crazy. It's I guess it's which I use in another podcast is it's it's not the it's not the democratization of the democratization of publishing. It's just a democratization of publishing. How we get there is going to be how Matt decides, you know, to levy all of this stuff. It's it. He, maybe he doesn't want us to have this this way of doing things, which is why I'm kind of really interested to see what Morton does um, with his new initiative. That's great. Well, let's go on <clears throat> on to the next story. Um, internal Google Docs warns warns not to gift contractors shirts in case they start thinking that they're employees. Oh, I had to laugh at this one. What did you think of this one, Spencer? Yeah. Well, I could put on my lawyer hat for this one and just say this was not a business decision based upon any tech person. This was just purely the attorneys and the tech's attorneys pretty much raised the red alert on this. And it's true. In most jurisdictions of the United States, the difference between a contractor and an employee is a very fine line. And with all the drama going around with, I love you. I love the examples, but with regard to you know how whacked out the corporate tech structure is in the United States, uh, I was reading another article about a lady who, maybe it's one of ours actually, the lady who moved to Switzerland. Oh, right, the Switzerland lady article. So she she was suggesting you know how different it is where you know the tax rate that we we pay here doesn't get more expensive the more money you have. So you can have you know a small family or a small employee getting really tweaked. Whereas the CEO can make $20 million and only pay, you know, proportionally pennies on the dollar. I think this really comes down to that is that 
whatever reckoning we have is politically based and the Texas and the U.S. is really unusual, but this is just the only thing that they could do. I also think that unfortunately, those of us who I've just only been able to have one corporate job in my life and I realized I have some kind of, uh, you know, a disease where I cannot work in a company. Uh, those people who work in those situations have to make a deal with the devil. It sucks. But if you are a contractor and you want to work for a Silicon Valley tech company and you're, and you're a TVC, well, either be the TVC under these conditions or put your foot down on the pedal and see if you can get past it and become an employee. I don't know if anyone's hiring, but that's just unfortunately what they're offering. And I just don't see any way around it on this one. Yeah, I see we're coming. One of the reasons why I thought it was an interesting story because um, I was going to ask Matt and Chris. In a, you know, obviously, this is increasingly the scenario that you have some full-time employees, but you have a lot of subcontractors. What is the consequences in trying to build a company culture? Something that um, and com- you know, which is a defining aspect of your competitive edge where you have a load of subcontractors, does that, if you don't try and build collective um, company, I was going to say company spirit or company attitude, and you have this dividing line, which Google is trying, it's been forced to, I do agree with Spencer, does that not diminish the ability of the company having its unique culture? Or am I just waffling, Matt? What do you think? I mean, it's very difficult to judge like a small, like if you're a WordPress agency or marketing team or coding team relative to the size of Google <laughs> and like setting culture. Um, you know, it can be difficult. I, I've certainly been in a position when I was running the agency day to day where we had full-time staff <coughs> bring contractors on. And the difficult thing is to get them to buy into the vision and to buy into like, you know, the, the passion and stuff like that. That's always difficult. Um, you know, I read this article more along the lines of we don't want them to think that they're full-time employees and more specifically, we don't want to be giving them, I guess, not just compensation, but information, um, you know, sensitive information or product information that they shouldn't know because they could tell somebody else kind of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, company culture, just from that answer, it, it is difficult full-time employees to get, to get people to buy into a culture or a vision is, is difficult. It, it, it takes a little bit of time. Yep. So what did you think, Chris? <clears throat> you know, do you give shirts out to your contractors? <laughs> I was reading that article. and It, it shirts actually, out to everybody. <laughs> it made me a little bit nervous because I give shirts. I asked them <laughs> I to... I you're okay not to give them to everybody. I flew, uh, I've flown them to other events in other countries. I've, uh, I was just today on my to-do list is to send out a bunch of like presents, gift card, Christmas kind of stuff. So... <laughs> Uh, but like Matt said, I don't think you can compare an enterprise like, you know, top company with a small business, but big enterprise is much more risk averse. And, uh, you know, they have much more complex legal issues and a little mistake has really big implications. That being said, I agree with you 100%, Jonathan, that company culture is a big part of your brand and your differentiator and um, how people, how you treat your team, regardless of their tax status is like really important on a personal and a business level. So I think that remote working 
We've all been doing it a long time. We're having a meeting right now across the country, but this whole thing is going mainstream. It's still kind of early days, but it's going mainstream. Like the majority, in my opinion, is going to be remote working here in the not too distant future. So I think we need to figure these issues out and make sure we take care of our people in the process because being an independent contractor, which I've been too, is hard. And especially as starting up a business and like with no safety net, no health insurance, no nothing. You have to go through the valley of despair and to at least that was my experience to start getting traction in a and a and a contract worker experiences that same I mean they're basically it's their own business. So it's hard and they need more support both legally uh, from the tax perspective and socially, we need to kind of figure this thing out a little more. And I, w- I want to just highlight somebody in the WordPress community, like uh, Corey Miller over at iThemes has a lot of experience of having both in-office people and remote people and kind of figuring out how to do that. So he's a good person to look to just who's kind of experiencing both worlds. Jason yeah. Freed too. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, just as I, a con- so go on, Matt, sorry. I've got uh, nothing. <laughs> I was going to add that this is a reflection on the greater situation that's happening in the American business. And the idea is I have kids that are teenagers, ones of college age after this year. I think anybody, regardless of their age, you know, I'm 26. So for me, this, <laughs> but for anyone of any age, I think you have to look at today's world and really express, uh, an open-mindedness to the reality that the dream that was sold to everybody for the past decades, that you could find a company, you go to school, you train to become a drone with a certain label that you can get a job at a certain company and work 35 years, get a watch and everything's going to be great. That was a fairy tale and it's over. Today, there's lots of great new opportunities and the churning of this butter by things like new technology coming out actually create new opportunities that didn't even exist before. But you have to have a skill mindset. The difference, and that's, I think, what Chris really reminded me of as an attorney and as a person who deals with tax issues and things, either in my own business or for clients, is that we have an unbalanced system right now. It's not that it won't be balanced, but the tax system in the U.S., the liability system, and I was a trial attorney in the U.S., everything is unbalanced towards that old fairy tale system. Where right now, as an independent contractor or as a person who's a freelancer, number one, big hot button, I, I, I am crushed, crushed with the cost of medical stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Self-insured. I am crushed, crushed with double taxation, right? I have to pay my own Social Security benefits into this fairy tale that the politicians of today think isn't my money that they could spend it and it's a benefit. You know, I could go down the list, but I am crushed with paying my own expenses and having to go through a dance to get a write-off. I am crushed with the end of the year, the complexity of paying all the you know, taxes. I could go down the list. When we really want to expand into the future, we're going to really, as a society, have to address how can we deal with the realities that everybody is a unique little snowflake and that snowflake can dance around and go to different opportunities as they come. But let's give the snowflakes the same kind of level playing field as a large corporation does, where I would love it if I could move my status to being offshore in Ireland so that I don't have to pay any taxes this year because my money is in Ireland, just like some corporations do. I'd love it if I had a golden parachute, if I fired myself and I get $17 million for driving the value of my own stock down. But those are the benefits that don't exist for independence. So 
if you are independent, you do have to have a survival mentality today. And I taught freelancers for over a decade in the WordPress space. It's taking advantage of the rules that exist for people under the radar. And they're harder to find, but when you find them, you can use them. Making the transition is the hard space. Flying your plane 35,000 feet at a corporate job or something above the clouds, life is great. Being on your own for a long time on the terminal, not in the air, that's great. You figured it out. It's coming down through that storm. It's a bitch. And that's what we have to figure out. That's what we have to address. And that ties into this WordPress ecosystem. Many of us vesting our futures in this particular ecosystem for the moment have a high concern of, like, is one day Matt going to let loose a tsunami and we're all going to have to land our planes somewhere on a you know, remote island? <clears throat> That's absolutely, absolutely correct. Um, it's kind of, I was listening to this week in Startups and they had um, Ryan um, Carson and he was like, he, you know, he was, they were talking about education and he made the statement that he saw in the next 10 years that the majority, now it's quite a powerful statement. And he, he said, and obviously he runs a learning, a video learning company uh, um, in the tech area. And he, he, he said during the, during the, the discussion that, in the next 10 years or the next 20 years, he could see the bulk of middle-tier universities in the U.S. disappearing. He really, he really couldn't see what value they're provided in any shape or form to their students, you know, in any shape, and just indebting them for the rest of their life, basically. That was, that's what well, he did. They're going to be replaced by trade schools. And the trade schools, for example, look at the – I'm just going to pick solar power, right? Solar power right now is demonstrably something <clears throat> that could do a lot. And Elon Musk is a big promoter of this, what he just did in Australia. But let's just assume solar power. You know what solar power generates? Not only does it create capitalistic opportunities for the businesses, but it creates ridiculous opportunities for people who are just interested in being tradesmen or tradeswomen. People to install and maintain solar panels are completely overwhelmed right now. You have a shortage. And the whole point is that you could go through everything's like data centers with remote AI. We talked about that 10 shows ago. There's a need for people who go to the data centers and manage and manipulate those new tools and technologies. And so colleges have less purpose because they were training drones to go up through this fairy tale. Trade schools that teach a viable skill, even developing and coding, but something that works as a skill that you can bounce from company to company to company, and it's your own little thing. That, I think, is the future. And I do agree with you. This whole Bush number two wave of, you know, let's make a business out of selling kids this bullshit fairy tale and getting them to go $400,000 in debt that you can't even discharge in bankruptcy. That bullshit is going to come home just like the real estate loan bubble did. It's still there. And all that's going to have to happen is there's either going to have to be some kind of a like forgiveness that's built in, or they're going to have to convert it into something else that you can work it off because that is not going away. And I can't tell you how many 35 to 45-year-olds I know that still have loans, for God's sake. I mean, for what? They'll never get a job that'll ever pay that off. All right. In that happy prospect, we go for a break, folks. We'll be back in a few moments. Give you time to pay your loans off, folks. We'll be back in a few moments. 
Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back. It's been a happy discussion. <laughs> Where was this? Why did you pick the Santa and the reindeer topics for today? No. I'll be English. I'll be, we're just glue and miserable. Anyway, we're, we're, we're leaving the family of Europe anyway, probably. Someday, somewhere, yeah. somehow. Uh, it's a bit like WordPress, but on a bigger scale. Really. Uh, um, on to the next story. Our, um, uh, an interview with Rachel Cherry. She's been on the show. Our, um, lovely lady. Automatic pledges to fund WP Campus, accessibility audit. Good, God, these titles from the tavern, they get longer and longer. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I dig their stories, though, don't I? <laughs> right. Um, what did you think of this one, Chris? I thought it was really good. I mean, the fact that Automatic closed the gap of the remaining 20000 of the 30000 of fundraising... It kind of, you know, a lot of people are very upset that 5.0 shipped without full accessibility. So we don't live in a black and white world, though. Automatic, Matt, leadership, whoever still cares about accessibility, and that shows that, which I think is cool. Um, but I think it's a really, I think it's a really important project. Um, and to go to to tie it into our last story. Most small businesses I talk to, I even have like people who build courses around accessibility for business owners and all kinds of stuff. It's cool. But when a university contacts me and I get on the sales calls with them and they're looking for a WordPress-based learning management system. Oh, you, um, you do get a few universities approaching you then. I do. And uh, some, sometimes they have a series of calls. I'll talk to the IT person. Then they'll bring on the accessibility person to talk to me. Then they'll bring on the lawyer to talk to me. And it's a much more, it's a different process at the enterprise level than the education entrepreneur. The big enterprises, like Matt was talking about here about um, the corporate, uh, I forget what it's called, uh, group for influencing WordPress. Like they care about accessibility because um, there's laws that they have to uh, you know, abide by that maybe the small business, it's not as much of a big deal, especially if you're doing information products or whatever. Um, so I find it fascinating. Uh, I would have preferred that it was kind of wrapped up with a big bow on it before 5.0, but I'm glad that it's still a priority and it's going to continue to be something that WordPress works on. And I know as a product company, a WordPress product company, there's areas we want to improve our accessibility that sometimes we can't get to because we're so busy doing all this other stuff with like GDPR or Gutenberg. It's a priority, but sometimes it's hard to get to. And the, the thing that I just want to highlight about accessibility, which is really interesting in my opinion, is in WordPress, we're often talking about getting more market share, bigger piece of the pie, 32.5%. You know, we're tweeting about how many downloads are happening and all kinds of stuff. Like WordPress is taking over the internet. Um, 
So sometimes you play to the majority, but the reality is, which is like publishing, right? But the reality is there's all these other special, small special interests like people with disabilities uh, and accessibility needs. So sometimes the, the needs of the majority of making that pie bigger end up trumping the needs of like a, a small slice micro niche. So it's a fascinating push-pull between uh, appeasing the majority and growing the pie and trying not to neglect special interests. It's a, it's a hard challenge. Yeah, I, I know where you're coming from, but I, really deeply, I don't think Matt cared less about it because <laughs> I don't think accessibility. Because, um, uh, you know, we've got two bats, but the bat that's joined us uh, for all this, uh, um, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's just part of this schizoid not knowing where you stand, this kind of passive-aggressive thing that's been part of the WordPress community for a long time. I'd rather have somebody say to me, I just don't like you, Jonathan. I wish you well, but I just don't like you, Jonathan. I'm not, I'm not, your, I'm not your cup of tea. It's, it's okay. I'm not going to... No, I mean... I'm not going to hunt you down and kill you. It's just, it's just some people that I just don't like. Yeah. After time, I don't know why I don't like them. There's some people I don't know why I don't like them because um, yeah. they screwed me. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, um, uh, but there's other people that are just not my cup of tea, but I don't hate them, but they're just not my cup of tea. What do you yeah, think? It's, it's fine to disagree with people. I, I mean, I think uh, Rachel, this article really just highlights, like, first of all, she's an awesome uh, individual. And uh, this is the shining example of, like, why I... I I tell people that, you know, we, we cannot let our uh, ideas or thoughts or voice be suppressed in a, a community which is building software to allow people to have a voice and, and communication and to publish their thoughts and ideas. And, you know, it, what saddens me is the same thing is, you know, why couldn't this audit happen beforehand? And it took somebody to take this initiative really grow it and really amplify it, prove that there was a need for it, prove that there was a desire for it. And then finally for Matt to come in and say, okay, we'll fit, we'll, we'll polish it all off and get the rest done. Um, that's just, it's just disappointing. Um, I don't pretend to know anything that like, I don't pretend to know like what an audit involves with this. I don't know what the, the hours and, and the time and, and all this stuff. Clearly it's $30,000, which is seemingly sizable to me. Um, it's just disappointing that on, on one hand, it's like, we'll push the software through without it. <clears throat> but it's also enlightening. It was going on for two years, wasn't it? And then, right. And, and that's, so that's the thing. When he, when he used, so Matt will continuously use, like, we've been doing this for two years. It's been out in the open for two years. You, you should have been ready for Gutenberg. And it's like, well, wait, why weren't you ready for this thing over here? Uh, <laughs> and it's like, oh, oh, but we can't use that excuse with, with, with this particular uh, point. Um, so anyway, it, it's, it's saddening in one hand to, to get to this point, but also enlightening that somebody in the community can make this kind of traction and this kind of movement. And this is what excites me about being uh, a member of this community. I call that leading without title. <laughs> That's I call it where you are. That's what I call it. You, you mean for the non-decision until until? Oh no, I mean uh, Rachel just leading without. Oh, I see. Yes, 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 yes. Like yep. Leadership without yep. final. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just sort of personal feed. When the tavern marked you as a leading crit critic, and 
of Gutenberg. How, how did it go down when you were told that you were marked as a leading critic? <laughs> I, I think, no, I mean, I, I am. I, I am a critic, but I am just one tiny, you know, voice in all of this. And I think everybody should be a critic. Yeah. Why not? I just loved it. Like it was like you know they probably God knows what they say about me then. Uh, but I, I'm not actually. A, I really don't want to come across as a heat of Matt because I totally understand his position. I just would would I just would hope that there's a little bit more openness and a little bit more realism in general about things, and it doesn't have to be skull and bones. I don't understand all the mystery the way, but maybe I'm being naive. Am I being naive, um, Uncle uh, Spencer? No, Uncle 26 know. year old Spencer. I, exactly. 20, my second time around, 26. Um, I would say just look at the comments. You know, yeah. there's no comments on this article that tells you everything you need to know. When there's a WP Tavern article, this was the only thing that Automatic could have done. Probably somebody might have piped in to say they should have done it before. And maybe I'll throw a little salt on the wound and say, well, 20,000 is nice, but uh, how about a little something extra for the effort? You know, maybe 40, 50 something, you know, it's a big company. They can afford a little more. Nevertheless, now that it's done, that's what big corporations do when they see they get caught with the, you know, their, their toilet paper on their shoe. They have to do something in public to make it look like they care. Ta-da. Whether they really think about this, I think it's in the light of their business. They realize they can't have a major product that has accessibility issues because that's just a liability for people to talk about. Done and done. Get the toilet paper off the shoe, move on. Don't make that mistake again. Yep. I think you're right. On to the story, on to the next story. Trend. And by the way, Jonathan, yeah. I have been hearing a lot of stories about what people think about you too. Oh, fantastic. Uh, that's my main objective. I don't care if they're good or bad. The worst thing for a person is if there's absolutely no stories about you. Then you're totally irrelevant, aren't you? Uh, um, uh, um, trains 2019. Innovation will become faster and more flexible. It was a bit bland of a story, but the reason why I chose it was, um, I've, obviously, it comes from marketing week. Um, so they tend to talk about very big brands. <clears throat> um, I think the, um, this is my take on why I, I thought it was a reasonable story to discuss, is that they were talking about, you know, speed, increasing speed, innovation, and finding um, niches. Um, I think a lot of these big brands are basically, they really fear the power of Amazon and they, they have they're these big dinosaurs and they know that the, the um, asteroid is coming, you know, and they're, they're going to have to become kind of fit, fitter and small mammals that can adapt quicker. What, what did you think of this, Matt? Uh, yeah, so I mean, I read it as more of... Uh, I guess sort of something like that to, to, to a degree. The only thing I could compare it to is really looking at big organizations not being nimble enough to innovate uh, fast enough. I mean, if you look at what we just talked about with Google, 
Uh, you can't even give out t-shirts without, you know, like a lawyer getting involved. Um, and I looked at it from like, you know, a lot of these organizations, you'd be like, we need to just get up little micro accelerators and bring in the people that have the great ideas because otherwise we're filtering them into this corporate ladder that will take years for them to innovate and climb. Let's go direct to people. And the only thread that I can compare it to is the, uh, the nonprofit accelerator that I mentor at in my local area, they, their mission is to help um, entrepreneurs build uh, sustainable businesses that uh, have, an imp- have a social impact on their communities, right? So they go to sort of lower income cities uh, in regions and they find entrepreneurs there that can really leave an impact uh, on the community to, to raise everybody up. Um, it's to me, I, I mean, if I'm reading it that, that sort of that same way, it's great that we can uncover people out there uh, that are doing some, that can do some amazing things once there's some capital behind it. Um, hopefully. Yeah, I, I really, I, I think these, I noticed quite a few companies, large companies have got incubators. I don't, I, I think I understand where they're coming from and you can't tar the whole process with the same brush but I'm going to anyway. Uh, um, but uh, um, basically, I don't think in the majority of them they're going to be successful because of the culture of the companies and the necessity. The necessity it's very hard when you've got established shareholders, all the legal side. Look at Kodak. Um, look at any company that's facing um, great market change. It's very difficult for for a very large player to adapt and change. Um, not always, but it is. Um, that's one of the things that I admire about Facebook, even though I, I think the um, the management team of Facebook are cockroaches. Uh, um, they've, they've shown their ability to buy other companies and adapt very succinctly. What did you think, Chris? I think innovation as a uh, component is absolutely critical, especially in this world of automation and mechanization. Uh, and then, you know, the robots taking over these, the thing that can't, that is uniquely human is our creative mind and our ability to innovate. And I, I think that entrepreneurship in general is having a moment right now in pop culture, but I also um, know people that I've hired or friends that are intrapreneurial, that meaning they're entrepreneurial inside of a bigger company. And that skill set is, I see those people making good money, getting raises. It's a good, it's, an, it's a great thing. Um, and it takes uh, the ability of the leader to um, share the visionary component and be humble and um, not have a big ego of like, uh, you know, it's my vision, this is where we're going, and to start sharing that a little bit inside of a company. I think that's really important. I also think that the Fortune 500 or whoever can learn a lot from the startup world. And if they're going to start doing stuff like building micro brands and doing crowdfunding and doing community-based stuff uh, and modern marketing or whatever, like that's great. Um, So they're kind of getting the best of both worlds, if you will. So yeah. I don't know. It's, these are just interesting times. And uh, I think innovation is going to keep happening more rapidly. Change is going to keep happening more rapidly. And as in the next 10 years, we're going to be in a completely different world. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I think one of the things that uh, this is sort of on the same topic, but I used to, I still do. I buy uh, clothes from a, a company called Bonobos. <clears throat> and I remember years ago, they were sort of like an indie fashion company where you could go and buy some great jeans and all this stuff, whatever. Now they're massive. Uh, I don't you know, know how large of a company they are, but I still enjoy buying from them. But I see, because I buy from them, I get served up retargeting ads, and specifically on Instagram. There are like niche products for shoelaces, belt buckles, cuffs, ties, bow ties only, right? Like the best bow ties ever built, right? Sock. Are we at a point? Like how many... How many people I just, are I just bought a socks? fireplace poker on Etsy from an artisan. <laughs> I mean, come on, you use that with your staff, All right, but you've always had a bit of a weakness for the bow ties, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, it blows my mind how, you know, how many niche little things. And I'm wondering, does one major brand just own all of these and they're just spinning off little ideas into own marketable brands? I mean, it probably works. Right. And what do you reckon, Spencer? We're doomed, aren't we? Uh, no, I, I'm actually, I had this conversation with somebody yesterday, and um, I put a little link to a graph. I think I saw this once when I was visiting a friend in Los Angeles at the La Brea Tar Pits, and they have this sort of timeline of history of the animals and then people. But the part about the people is interesting because you see, you know, thousands of years of human history were just like incremental progress, barely doing anything. But then in the last hundred years, and in particularly the last 20 years, and then really particularly the last 10 years, that line goes almost vertical. And we talked about this in the show a couple of weeks ago. In my opinion, even though this is a marketing article, as both Matt and Chris said, I think that what we're looking at is that the world is really poised and I'm an optimist, to be so completely different, but not in some dystopian future way, but rather we reach that point that we realize we've built the Lego blocks that will build more Lego blocks. And as long as those AI robots from Boston Dynamics don't kill us all first, especially that dog that can open the doors, as long as we get past that part, then I think our future is bright. And the reason simply is even the topics we talked about today if you can adapt, if you can frame your reference and not be that codgety old, you know, uh, Luddite who's like, I remember, uh, just accept that the world the way it is. Every day is a problem solved. Literally, there was, we're out of oil. Oh, no, we're not because we figured out this. Oh, the pollution's horrible. Oh, no, we're not because the politicians finally agreed to use the technology. And when it comes to jobs and employment, we're not going to change from a capitalist-driven society, but I definitely feel that the more things change, the more that the old layer of dirt gets removed and there's a fresh new field to be plowed by anybody who wants to use their skills and their creativity. And now it's democratized. I love the fact that an old fogey like me, 26 times two, can sit here, raise kids on my own, but have a life where I associate and talk to clients and people like you guys all day long around the world and imagine when that's holographic in two years. Imagine when I can transport myself over to you know, Matt's place and our kids can hang out or something, whatever. The point is, as long as we don't revert back to 1930s mindset, I think we're gonna be great. The marketing aspect is simple. I see that trend like this, okay? Big companies have all the answers. No, you need a, one person. Oh, big companies really aren't so bad. No, you need one person. 
we're right now on the coming down the hill of the company's thing back to, I want a relationship with a real person, which by the way, never goes away, but people just like to, you know, forget. It's like dating your old girlfriend and boyfriend again, you know, 10, 20 times until you realize, eh, maybe that's not the right person for me. Corporations care about corporations. Hello, automatic. People care about people. Hello, Rachel Cherry. Okay. Corporations need to be reminded that the people one-to-one can still kick their ass if they act like douchebags. That's the way the marketing part goes. And a big corporation like Coke and Pepsi, we've seen all the new Coke mistakes and stupidity. They realize that a Casey Neistat can go and kick their ass with a YouTube video. And so, you know, a PewDiePie could go out and affect 77 million people with a YouTube video. They need a piece of that action, but you can't do that with 10,000 people in a room trying to decide. They have to be more nimble, agile, more one-on-one. And so do companies, even of automatic size. They need somebody like uh, Rachel Cherry in their actual marketing team to realize like, uh, hello, we can't go forward with the product until we figured out what the reaction is going to be to this, you know, not being accessible to 30% of the people in the world. Yeah. That's what I, and and that, and and that's what I mean about product market talking about earlier before about the presentation, like there needs to be somebody connected to, uh, you know, us or the, the WordPress uh, developers and, and, and implementers and consultants out there to tie this stuff in. And and for people who are interacting and interfacing with users uh, who are using this, who are not in the room uh, at those events. On to the last story. Um, <laughs> living in Switzerland ruined me for America and its lousy work culture. Yeah, living in America's ruined me, folks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were like this before you came here. <laughs> oh, be, oh, spiritually and financially, I've been ruined. I'm coming back, though. I've had a much better year. I've had a much better year this year. Uh, um, <clears throat> 17. 16 wasn't my best, but there we go. Um, so, <laughs> oh God, what did you think of this one, Chris? Are you moving to Switzerland next week? I've been to Switzerland. I really like it. Interlaken, Switzerland is one of my favorite places. Um, I've been a lot of different countries, okay. and I think the United States in particular is, I love living here for entrepreneurship and um, it's just the freedoms we can enjoy. But I, there's some critical issues, especially like we talk about with the remote worker really going mainstream, like healthcare. I don't know if we've got that figured out. And some of the other comp- countries really do. And you were like in general, but also uh, around specific issues like, um, let's say, having a child, maternity leave, paternity leave. Different countries handle that situation a lot differently. And um, I think the United States is not leading in how we we help our newly new fathers and mothers, um, just as a specific healthcare issue. But also, just for the entrepreneur, healthcare is like really hard. And as some as, as when you build teams, and there's an expectation that um, you know, like the employer like should take care of health because that's a carryover of the the story that we've been taught for a long time. It's just a really challenging moment right now. And, uh, and then also, I've never seen um, addiction, addiction to smartphones and tech and social media. It's like at an all-time high. Stress is at all-time high. Even at this time of year, like around the holidays, for some people, this is like a really sad and stressful time of year. And it's just like social media 
doesn't necessarily help with that. And um, so, but that, this just comes back to the work-life balance stuff that's in the article. I think Americans specifically are not, they, ha- they could learn a lot by looking at the, you know, the siesta culture in Latin America or, you know, really valuing the long lunch in Switzerland or, and not like you get chastised if you eat your lunch at your desk or whatever. I thought that was really interesting. Or we can learn from the Europeans who like show up late and have like three, three, uh, four course dinners or whatever. It's the social component component is uh, very important. And I feel like right now in the United States, especially in the tech world, um, you, it's a, it's a, it can be a dangerous place to be from a mental and a physical health perspective. And you have to try really hard to, you know, navigate those waters and each person deals with that in a different way. It's the balance. The reason why I chose this article, because I haven't lived in Switzerland, but I've been to Switzerland multiple times and I've known a few Swiss, Swiss citizens and Switzerland is in Switzerland's an extremely conservative country. <laughs> it's not France and it's not Sweden. It's extremely culturally uh, and business, um, extremely conservative country. But it has a country that has a strong national will and an identity. Um, so. That's why I thought it was so interesting because you you cannot criticise it as being socialist, whatever that bloody means, um, because that's the last thing that, that, that Switzerland is. What did you think, Matt? I, you know, of course, never, I've never been there. Um, the uh, the only thing I can draw a similarity upon is you know working at a company uh, like Pagely, or I guess I should say it's. Is it the duty? It's more a question, I guess. Is it is it the duty of businesses uh, and corporations to you know help shift this? And for example, a company like Pagely, where I get to work at uh, remotely. In fact, everyone does uh, unlimited uh, vacation, uh, three months for uh, maternity and paternity leave. I mean, these are companies that are are trying to put their best foot forward, and and I, I think that's hopefully going to be something that we see more of, uh, you know, in, in the future, because yeah, it's, uh, you know, like Chris said, stress and entrepreneurialism and and all of this stuff uh, on social media, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy for people to deal with it. Right. Um, and just hopefully, uh, uh, companies can maybe put their, their right foot forward. Uh, the numbers are staggering. Like when you when you read through the article, the average income, uh, and (laughs) 95, thousand dollars which you know every i guess everything has another side like is it can you just instantly go there and and be at that level or is it much harder to raise uh to to get to that level versus in america where you can get there maybe potentially faster i don't know it's pretty you know i think to become a swiss swiss citizen is one of the most hardest things i think there's more chance of you um being canonized than becoming a swiss (laughs) citizen uh um (laughs) right uh um, even tina turner had a problem trying to become a swiss citizen uh um, what do you reckon uh, spencer i think this is one of my favorite articles that you posted in a while and here's why in chicago in the uh on um saint patrick's day they dye the river green. But there's also another event similar to that where they dump a bunch of those rubber duckies into the Chicago River and they float out to the lake. 
The reason this is fascinating to me as a comparison between Switzerland and the United States is that Switzerland is one ducky. The United States is the river of duckies. Swiss, regardless of socialism, capitalism, anything else, is a homogenized society. We have thousands of Switzerlands all inside of the United States. And so as much as I dream of the idea of a top-down, let's be all like Switzerland, the reality is, as Matt pointed out, companies can individually choose to be like Switzerland. Pagely can be Switzerland. And for those who participate in a company that's acting like Switzerland, kudos. One other point to mention that I think is interesting is, especially about Mitt Romney and the unfairness of do as we say when it comes to politicians and their low-paying taxes and all their offshore benefits versus the normal people. Aside from that being fixed, I thought it was interesting that the United States allows dual citizenship. You will not get into Switzerland. You could get into something like in, you know, Ethiopia or Israel or Chad or some you know, country. You could be a dual citizen. But guess what? The United States is the only country that taxes people based upon their citizenship. So you could live in another country all day long as sure as you take care, as long as you take care of Uncle Sam while you're earning that money at 50 cents on the dollar. That's Uncle Sam. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Spencer, you are done. (laughs) I am done. (laughs) Oh, it's gone. Yeah, it's gone. Uh, Hopefully it'll come back. Uh, We'll give him a moment. He's obviously dealing with a His father Christmas, actually. Uh, this I, I, I want to talk about, I'm going to say goodbye and happy holidays, but you know what it is? It's my capitalism Costco delivery. The thing, <laughs> my Instacart for dads. I have to say goodbye, guys. They came early. 45 minutes. Yeah, see you later. Bye. See ya. Cheers. Bye. <laughs> it was Uncle Sam. Um, we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, Matt, um, how can people find it more about you and what you're up to and your words of wisdom? MattReport.com. And you can find me at PageLead.com. And it's a great podcast, The Matt Report. I've been listening to it for years. I've learned so much from listening to it. Thank you for keep doing it, Matt. And please continue to 019. Will do. Um, Chris, my friend Chris, uh, um, how can people find out more about you and your words of wisdom? Well, a, qu- a quick plug uh, of somebody else. If you are feeling like stressed or you know overwhelmed and all that stuff, I just want to spotlight uh, Sherry Walling and her podcast called Zen Founder and her book called The Entrepreneur's Guide to Keeping Your Shit Together. It's a great resource if you are um, you know this time of year or whenever just looking to kind of have a more Swiss. Uh, balance in your life and even understand yourself and society a little better. And I think it's a, it's a great resource, but I'm Chris Badgett from Lifter LMS. You can find me at lifterlms.com and also on my podcast, which is called LMS cast, uh, which is a show for course creators. Right. Um, I was in two minds in doing this, but I feel that I have to, and I chose to do this at the end of the show because it has no connection to my great um, panelists is that before I wish you, uh, listeners and viewers, a great Christmas, I would ask you to think of, of a seven-year-old girl that died in... Um, that was trying to get into America and seek sanctuary in this country, which was her father's and her right, legal right, 
to seek sanctuary in this country. And this country has given hundreds of thousands of people legal sanctuary from political violence and from terror. And for her pains, for her wish to come here and seek safety, she was arrested and treated as a criminal. And then she died of thirst, which I don't know her name because her name has not been made public yet. But when you're with your family, with your daughters, your sons, please have a bit of empathy and compassion for her, for her parents, for her relatives that won't have a Christmas with her. Sorry to say that, but I felt morally bound to say something about a nameless seven-year-old child who sought safety and compassion from America. So I wish you a happy Christmas, listeners and viewers, and a great new year. We'll be back next year, next year 2019, with other great conversations. I've really enjoyed this one. I thank the panel and all the panel and all the special panellists that have been part of the show in 2018. It's been a blast. And don't stuff yourself too much with turkey, whatever else you can eat. See you soon, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.